Congratulations, you guys. You feel special? A little bit. <laughs> I am so proud of you guys. It was fun being your youth minister for a year. Um, before Stephen came, I know you're glad to see him come, but we had some fun up there during our time together. And I think back over the years of knowing you guys and all the different memories that I have. It's fun to hear the memories up here. Each one of you guys, Connor, I remember all those questions that you would ask me through the years. I mean, you were like this tall. Well, no, you've been about as tall as me for a long time, but you always had those deep questions to ask me, and uh, I always remember those. Jordan, you were spot on talking about the baptism. I remember that, and when you're with uh, your brother Jacob, we're not sure we fully baptized his mohawk, but, but all of that was um, broadcast over to your family uh, in Europe. And that was just a, a special time. I'm going to turn that away. It's talking to me. That probably didn't help. But anyway, it's out of my way. Molly, you were so quiet. I don't think you talked to me for about 10 years. <laughs> but now to see you blossom and you're in student government and heading off to Baylor, just some exciting things. And uh, I'm proud of you. Madison, I remember. You don't remember this. But I remember when your parents were wanting a child and it hadn't happened yet and praying with them out there in the atrium that God would bring them a child. And that was you. And now you're a mathematician that's going to change the world. That's exciting. Andrew, you have always been so stinking smart. I remember when, when you were, now it took you a little bit longer to catch up to my height, but I remember on Wednesday nights, and you couldn't have been that tall and you would come in and ask you your name, and you would say your name is Andrew Randall Downs. And I would kid you. Remember, I'd say, Andrew Rascal Downs. And one of the reasons I kidded you, because I didn't even know I had a first name until I was in about the sixth grade. And I, I, I knew I had Raymond, but I didn't know I had a middle name. But I just, it was so fun to watch you grow up and the things that God has done in your life. Mary Catherine, I remember when you got here. I, I really started looking over my shoulder because I thought, this girl's going to take over. So I better be careful. I'm going to lose my job real quick. And I know that you are going to take over whatever you do. So I'm proud of each one of you guys. And don't let this be the highlight of your life. And for all the plans that you've talked about, I'm confident that that's not. You have many great plans as you're going to be heading out into the world. But I want to share with you a couple of thoughts uh, this morning. You know, we've been in this series on, on the book of Psalms. And there's a great psalm that we really didn't completely delve into uh, a couple of months ago, Psalm 90, that I think is so uh, relevant to each one of you guys. And so I'd like to share that with you. And uh, as we talk about these words, there, there'll be a time. We're going to pray for you guys here in a, in a little bit. I think it's the monitors now. Somebody keeps talking to me up here. And maybe we could turn those off or turn them down. Thank you. But anyway... Uh, we, we wonder, do we really need somebody to guide us in life? And last week we talked about the 23rd Psalm and the Lord is our shepherd, right? Do we really need a shepherd? Well, after the service last week, uh, Caroline Glasson sent me this video that helps us to see that we are sheep and maybe reminds us of why we need a shepherd. Watch this video. He's pulling this sheep out of a, a ditch. Are you safe now? <laughs> That's us. 
That is all of us. So yes, we need a shepherd because we keep jumping into this stinking ditch. We'll turn to Psalm 90, which is the Pew Bible 929. It's going to remind us of a couple of things that, is, uh, that are very important, to, especially to you guys. It's all for all of us, but I really want to kind of focus the attention to you guys because this is your special day. Psalm 90 in verse 10, and we're going to just look at a couple of verses, but I want us to see a couple of key ideas that relate as you venture off into your next phase of life. Life on earth is brief. Psalm 90 verse 10 says, Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Psalm 90 correlates with the book of Numbers, which we've been reading through as we read through the Bible uh, this year. And it's written by Moses, the only psalm that Moses wrote, and it's at the end of his life, and it would have been written out in the wilderness as they are just kind of circling around. They're on this permanent camping trip. And as they're walking around out there, probably late at night, one evening, he sat down and he wrote these words. The people of God had rebelled against God. They weren't going to go into the promised land. And he was going to watch two generations of people die in the wilderness. He wasn't going to make it into the promised land. Because at the waters of Meribah, he had sinned against the Lord by taking credit for bringing water to the people. And so he wasn't going to go in, as we find that in Numbers chapter 27. As he wrote these words, he was giving a prayer, and it's a prayer for all generations, for you guys, for us, those that come behind you, those that have gone before you. And the, and the psalm begins with eternity, and then it moves to brevity, the brevity of our own lives. And that's what we're really going to focus on, is to recognize how brief our lives can be. Notice what it says, our days come to 70 years or 80 years if our strength endures. Think about 70 years, that's 25,550 days. That's 70 years. 80 years, if you lived, as he was talking about, if you really do well, you live to 80, that's 29,200 days. You guys are roughly about 18 years of age. That means you've lived 6,570 days. What percentage is that of 70 or 80 years? Everybody looks at Matt, Madison because she's the math pro here. <laughs> Basically to say about a quarter of your life is gone. And it feels like all of your life is in front of you, and you've got exciting futures waiting for each one of you, no doubt but it goes by quickly. Life expectancy is somewhere in between there. Now, life has felt slow pretty much up to this point, but now it's really going to start accelerating. Remember how it seemed like forever before you're going to graduate? Like, will I ever graduate? And now you are? I want to take a poll real quick. And I'm going to, this is a real big risk. We have, we've not planned this, okay? So I'm just going to take a real big risk to see if what I'm saying resonates with everybody else that life is really brief okay so i want you to stand up on one of these two and you don't have to you don't have to vote on either one of them that's fine but listen very carefully okay i'm going to give you two options i want you to stand up not right now but stand up if for you you would say life has played out much slower than i expected you would say you know i really thought by now i'd be about 25 years older than this 
It's gone so slow. Then the second group, we're going to stand up to say, life has gone by faster than I expected. You'd say, I never dreamed I would be this old so quickly. Okay? So you don't have to vote, but, you know, if you're trying to encourage these graduates that what I'm saying is true, let's go. All right. First group. This is a group that's going to say, you know what? Life has gone so slow. I really thought by now I'd be 25 years older than this. It's going so slow. So if that's been your experience, would you stand up? Just let them know life is a drag. It just takes forever to work out, okay? <laughs> Nobody's standing up quite yet. Okay, there's Cameron standing up. <laughs> he's, he's still living at home. Just, I can't wait to get out of here. Got you on that. All right. All right, for all of you that would say, I cannot believe I got this old so quickly. Life is just racing by. Would you stand up? Okay, now I want you guys to just kind of look around. This is most everybody. Those not standing, they're not quite sure what I was talking about. Okay, but okay, you guys can sit down. But you see what I'm saying? Life goes by fast. And so what Moses is saying is pay attention to that. You know, we're always looking for that bonus day. Uh, I was up here the other day. Uh, I, I try to get everything done a little bit ahead of time this week because with Jeff, with Callie's wedding and all that was going on there. So I came up to the church. And I'm walking through the office. And I turned to one of our secretaries and I said, what are you doing here on a Friday? And she looked at me kind of strange and she said, because it's Thursday. <laughs> and I thought for sure it was Friday, and then it's like, no, it's Thursday. I've gained a day. That seldom ever happens in life, okay? And so just be aware of that. In Nova Scotia, there's a tombstone with these words inscribed on it that kind of relates back to what Moses is talking about. It's just how brief our life is. Here's the tombstone. The guy that died, his name is Ezekiel Akel. Here's what the tombstone says, very brief. Ezekiel Akel, 102. And then underneath that it says, the good die young. <laughs> now, I'm not sure if that means old Zeke wasn't good. The good die young. He lived a long time, so he wasn't very good. Or does it mean 102 still seems too young to die? We are like being on a train. You remember when you would go uh, as a young kid, probably not as exciting as when we were kids. I mean, life just wasn't very exciting when I was a kid. But you would pull up to a, a train crossing with your family, and you would count the cars that would go by on the train. Have you guys ever done that? So just for old people. And, when, and, you'd, and sometimes you, you count up to like 100. There'd be 100 cars on that train. Well, that's an example of life is that you are like one boxcar on a train that never ends compared to eternity. And so you want to make the very most of your one and only very brief life. Methuselah lived 31 years shy of a millennium. Do you remember Methuselah in the, in the book of Genesis? How old did he live to be? A little Bible quiz. He was 31 years short of a millennium, so that would be 1,000 minus 31 equals 
960. There's, there's somebody out there that's paying attention. But he's been dead a whole lot longer than he lived. He's the longest living human being that we're aware of. It says here it's a, it's a watch in the night. A watch in the night was three hours. That's like a long movie or a flight from here to D.C. It's just not that long, and it's over. Life on earth is brief, but life in eternity is not. Very long. Look at uh, uh, Psalm 90, verse 4. It says, A thousand years in your sight, or like a day that has gone by, or like a watch in the night. Eternity is a long time. There's a, I guess you guys do rateprofessor.com. Have you ever done that for your teachers? Yeah. I was looking up some of the comments that were made on there about teachers. And here are three different ones, and one of them relates specifically to our point. One of them said, boring, but I learned there are 137 tiles on the ceiling, talking about the class that they had. <laughs> Here's another one speaking about the class. You can't cheat in her class because no one knows the answers. <laughs> and you'll have some professors like that. But this was, this was the one that relates to our point here. This is what the person said. If I had one hour left to live, I'd spend it in this class because it feels like eternity. <laughs> so, so you'll have some classes like that. And when you're in that long class, just remember, you know, eternity is a long time. You know, I love to fly. And whenever we're going on a, on a trip, uh, I'm not much company to Michelle because I love to work on the plane. And it intrigues me whenever we get onto a plane and, and to see the way that people travel. Just kind of look around. And uh, some of the people are asleep. They fall asleep almost before you take off. And then some people, a lot of people, watch movies. They, they have some kind of technology going and they're doing that. And then there are a few people that are working. And, and, and in some ways, I'm envious of those people that, that appear to have nothing to do because I'm perpetually trying to catch up in life. So I am racing through trying to get as much work as I can get done by the time we get to our destination. And flying on an airliner is kind of a microcosm of life. You're going to find that some people are super busy. You're going to find that a lot of people are terribly engrossed in entertainment. And some people are just sleeping through life. But regardless of how you do it, and this is for you guys, you get to make the choice of what you're going to do with your life. But no matter what you do with your life, we're all going to get off the plane because it's going to a destination. It's a temporary journey. You don't get on an airplane and stay on it forever. It's temporary. And that's the way our life is. We're headed to a destination, very briefly headed to a final destination, and then we will disembark into eternity. Life is brief. Eternity is long. So, do you remember, if you were here for Easter, I talked about the 100-year question. Do any of you remember the 100-year question? What's the 100-year question? You can call for a lifeline from anybody in the congregation, and if nobody answers, it'll make me feel so good about being a pastor. <laughs> the 100-year question. Talked about it on Easter. Place was packed with people. <laughs> so many people heard the 100-year question. Do you remember what the 100-year question is? Does anybody remember what? 
What are you going to be doing in 100 years? What's going to be most important to you in 100 years? How old will you guys be 100 years from now? Will you be here 100 years from now? It doesn't even seem possible, does it? But 100 years from now, you won't be here unless something really miraculous happens. And so ask yourself the 100-year question. Today, as I interact with these friends, as I go to this class, as I study this material, what's going to be most important to me 100 years from now? And I think that will always drive you back to be thinking about your relationship with God. And that's exactly what Moses is talking about. He says, life is brief. Eternity is not. And the brevity of life is actually a gift to us because it turns our attention to God. Notice what he says in verse 12, one of the most famous verses in the, in the Psalms. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. This verse is loaded with verbs of invitation to ask God to work in your life. So it's not about you knowing everything. It's about you inviting God to help you to see what is most important. Wisdom is the ability to live out a godly life in the context of community. It's not just for your own personal gain, just to say, check the box, I'm a godly person. Wisdom is being a godly person in the context of others. Remember when we talked about Psalm 1, we said that a tree bears fruit not for its own self. You never see a tree reaching up and eating its own fruit. A tree bears fruit for the benefit of other people. That's what godly living is, is to live for the benefit of other people. And the heart is the center. And we talked about, the, we're singing about the heart just a couple of songs ago. The heart is the center of your thinking, of your desires, and your choices. How many of you are going to follow your heart? Well, if your heart is following God, then it's okay to follow your heart because your heart is following God. But our world always talks about following your heart, not in relationship to following God, but you just follow your heart, whatever you want to do. And if you follow your heart, you'll follow your heart right over a cliff. Would any of the older people agree? If you follow your heart, it will lead you right into disaster. So let your heart follow God, and then you can follow your heart. It says, turn your attention to God. Our son, Miles, when he was young, would be sitting in the chair, and oftentimes my wife, Michelle, would be Miles on one side and Megan on the other side reading a book. And whenever he wanted her attention, he would grab her cheeks and turn her head right towards him. And that's what God wants to do with you because you're going to be so distracted. You're about to experience some really enjoyable, fun, exciting times. And if you're not careful, your attention will move away from God. And so every once in a while, would you just stand before the mirror and do this? To be reminded to turn your attention toward God? That's what Moses is talking about. You know, if we're not careful, our attention will move away from God until we need him. We, as humanity, we have very high expectations for God but very low expectations for ourselves, And we may not actively be following God, and I hope that you guys will follow God all the days of your life. But we may not actively follow after God, but then we want his favor and his blessing in our life. You guys have a phone, right? You have a phone? Pull out your phone. I know you've been wanting to. Go ahead and pull out your phone. 
Okay, so you have a phone there, and you have a provider, right? My, phone's, my phone provider is Verizon. Wouldn't it be crazy for me to expect AT&T to provide cell service? Wouldn't it be crazy if I got mad that AT&T wasn't providing me cell service when I didn't even have an account with them? Sometimes we treat God like that. We expect him to give us blessing and favor, and we don't even have an account with him. That's as crazy as expecting a different provider giving you cell service. Does that make sense? Think about that as you walk through life. Don't ever abandon the Lord. Moses wrote this psalm during a time when he was witnessing over 70 funerals per day because people had turned their attention away from God, and God said, because of that, you won't enter the promised land. And day after day after day for 40 years, can you imagine that? Going to 70 funerals a day for 40 years just because they turned their attention away from God. And every one of those funerals reminded him of his own funeral, that one day he would pass from this life. So he needed to keep his attention on God because eternity is long. Timothy Keller, some of you may have read him, may have not, passed away this last Friday. An incredible spiritual giant. And he said, we must face sin and death or be out of touch with reality. Drugs were a big deal when I was in high school. A certain group of kids that would take drugs, and they always felt like they were so cool taking drugs. And for the rest of us, we would say, reality is for those of us who can't handle drugs. That's kind of a joke. But it was like, man, we, we can't handle that. So we would go with reality because drugs were too strong. What is reality? The reality is that life is brief and eternity is long. So keep your attention focused on God. That's what Moses wants us to hear. Life is brief, eternity is not. Turn your attention to God. You familiar with Twitter? Do any of you guys have Twitter accounts? Didn't know if I need to follow you or not. Just kidding. I don't follow anybody except Jesus. Oh, good. Isn't that good? <laughs> but who owns Twitter now? Elon Musk, okay? He's a, he's a very controversial individual. But when he bought Twitter last October 27th, when he got that, he started talking about what he was going to do with it. And this is not about Elon Musk. It's about something that he said that applies to all of our lives. And he's changing Twitter in which he wants a completely different metric of how it will be gauged for its success. And he calls it unregretted user time. He said one of the most common refrains heard about social media is, quote, I spent two hours on TikTok, but I regret those two hours. Everybody could talk about that, right? Regrets in life, wasted time. And what he's talking about is he wants Twitter to maximize unregretted user time. Maximize your time so you don't live with regrets. You can't avoid regrets. But live with as few regrets as possible, and what we're talking about here will help you to actually do that. How do you do it? How do you experience the least amount of unregrettable time? Lean into your relationship with God, and all of you guys, I'm so proud of you. I, I think you are the very first graduating class that has opened their Bibles when I was talking, honestly. 
been doing this for 25 years. I think you are the very first class in all of Westgate's history that has sat there with your Bibles. Uh, goodness, one, two, three, four, six of you and five of you have your Bibles open. That is amazing. But you have your Bible on your leg anyway, Andrew, so that's good. Keep your Bibles open. This is God speaking into your life. You're going to get to college and you're going to be overwhelmed with the amount of reading that you have to do. When I went off to college, my first assignment in freshman English is we had to read the trilogy of the Lord of the Rings. I had read one complete book by the time I graduated from high school. I'm, I'm, I, I kid you not, I was the worst student. I've been trying to catch up ever since. And all of a sudden, we had to read the entire trilogy in one semester. So I went down the hallway in the dormitory, picked up a payphone. You guys have to Google that, get a picture of it. From, go to a museum to see that. But I picked up a telephone, and I was almost to the point of tears asking my parents if I could come home because I knew that I had read one book, and he wants me to read three, and that's one class. And we have to write papers on it. You're going to read a lot of stuff. But I want to challenge you to read God's Word and to read through it every year. And you're going to say, well, that's, that's, that's crazy. It should be the standard for every Christian to read through God's Word on a yearly basis. I wish that I'd done that earlier. I didn't start doing that until I was in my 40s. I wish that I had. Because when you open up God's Word, God will speak to you. And when you close it, just picture it like you're closing God's mouth. And I want you to pay attention to how important God's Word is. There's a lot of crazy stuff out there now in which people are saying there's only certain parts of Scripture that you should pay attention to. It's called the red letter movement. You only pay attention to what Jesus said in the red letters. And the reason for that is you can take the red letters of Jesus and you can superimpose them over your social agenda or your political agenda, and you can find what you want. Problem is, some of the red letters that Jesus spoke from the Old Testament. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, Matthew 4, Luke 4, he quoted three different times from Deuteronomy. The entirety of the Bible is there for a purpose. Sometimes we don't understand it, but it's all inspired by God. So don't let people tell you that the Bible has problems. There's only certain portions we should only listen to what Jesus said. Because Jesus quoted others, and they fail to realize that Jesus is also quoted in other portions of Scripture. Imagine going to a really big test. You're going to have some big tests. Oh, man, you're going to have some big tests. Oh, they're going to be killers. And imagine going to such a big test, and you get there for the test, and you discovered that you read the wrong book to study for the test. Can you imagine that? That's what a lot of people do with their life. Life is a big test, and a lot of people are reading the wrong book. Friends, we're telling you, this is the right book to read, okay? So be sure and read it. Stay close to God. Um, and don't just casually read it. Don't just glance at it. You know, some people like read a verse or two, every, you know, when it's convenient. Bury it in your heart. That's what the psalmist said in, in Psalm 119, 9 through 11. Bury it in your heart store it in your heart so you can recall it and it will lead you in the ways of purity 
And the word pure means to be uh, void of all sinfulness. Um, and I'm going to give you one quick example of that, and then I'll, then I'll wrap this up. Imagine at college, you're way too young to get married, so I'm just going to say it, sh- it shouldn't happen in college, but just maybe in college you meet somebody that you just think this is going to be it. You're so excited about going to meet them. And on the way to meet them, you pass a dog park. You love dogs. So you get out and you start walking through the dog park. Are there certain things in the dog park that you would avoid? Right? I mean, there's certain things like on the ground you don't want to step in. But imagine walking through the dog park knowing that you're about to meet the person that might be the one. And every time you have a chance, you step in it. You find another one and you step in it. And you step in another one. Then you think, this is fun, and you get down and roll in it. It's pretty gross, isn't it? And you think the one is going to think you're the one? What the psalmist is talking about is you want to keep yourself pure where you're not like that? Keep it according to his word. I want to tell you about uh, last thing. I know you're ready to go. Last thing. I want to tell you about a cathedral over in Milan, Italy. And it has this incredible three-arch entrance into it. And as you walk into it, it has a wreath on the first one And it says, all that pleases is temporary. It's brief. Everything that pleases in life, those things that you're going to be tempted to so powerfully in this next season of life, they're brief. They're temporary. They don't last. And then you go to the second archway, and it has a cross. And it says, all that brings us pain is but for a moment. It doesn't last. Sometimes you'll enter into pain in your life and you'll think this will never go away but it will and then the main entrance that takes you into the cathedral for worship says that all that is important is eternal all that's important is eternal so whenever you're trying to gauge something ask yourself will this last for eternity the gospel does last for eternity and that's why you've heard me do so many times to remind you that God loves you And he's created you to have a relationship with him. That's his biggest desire. But our sinfulness separates us from holy God. And that's why Jesus came, to give us a relationship with God. But it doesn't automatically happen. We have to repent of our sins, turn away from them, and follow Jesus exclusively. You guys, I don't know if any of you are thinking that maybe you're not where you need to be spiritually, then I want to lead us in a prayer. Maybe there's other people listening in that that they would as well. But let's pray together. And if you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, do that now. Lord, thank you for these graduates. What a privilege it is for us to take a pause on this Sunday to celebrate their achievement of graduating from high school. The accomplishment that that represents and each one of them has worked so hard for so many years. And now they stand at a milestone in life, ready to venture into this next stage of life. 
we want to pray over them and just ask that you would help them to keep their attention focused upon you. And if any of them and anybody in this room or anybody listening online has never received Christ, I pray that they would understand that that is the greatest need of their life. That they would voice a prayer similar to this, Lord Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner in desperate need of your forgiveness. Please forgive me of all my sins and become the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender to you all that I am and all that I have, and I will follow hard after you the remaining days of my one and only life. Lord, we recognize that that prayer is but a doorway, an entry point into a forever relationship with you. No married couple would say their vows and then walk off in separate ways. It's the beginning point. And I pray that you would help each one of us to do just as that prayer is said, to follow hard after you with all that we have for the remaining days of our one and only, our very brief life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Long-standing tradition here, our church is going to pray over you. There's a couple reasons for that. We want you to experience your church praying over you is one of the last things you experienced before you stepped off to this next adventure in life. And it's a reminder to you that if one day in the future you find yourself turning your attention away from God, you can always look back and say, even though I'm turning away from God, I will never forget that there was a church who loved me enough to pray over me. And I pray that that memory might cause you to rethink and turn back to God. So we're going to invite you to spread out all the way across here, equally spaced away from each other, from way over there to way over there, six of you, so lots of room, go ahead and start doing that. And then church family, we're going to invite you to come up as we have each year and to pray over them. You guys want to spread out all the way where you're equally spread out, from all the way over there to all the way over there. And then you as a church family, you can just make your way up here and surround them and begin to pray over them.
Our God is jealous for his own. None can comprehend his love and his mercy. Our God is exalted on his throne. High above the heavens, forever he's worthy. We will keep our eyes on you. We will keep our eyes on you. Let's stand and sing it together. announcements. VBS trainings happening right after the service. Pick up yard signs. And then we also have um, our prison ministry out there in the foyer. So stop by there and sign the birthday cards. God bless you. Have a great week.